0: I hope you never forget that. God, I thank you for your amazing grace. It's incredible. As we sing it this morning and celebrate it and encourage one another and just be able to revel in what we just heard, I'm overwhelmed that you love us that much. Help me to be able to communicate that this morning. Thank you for your word, the power that it holds, the opportunity we have to explore it and to receive from it. And may everything we do in these next 35 minutes be able to be pointed to you and to ourselves and to understand how you see us and how incredibly blessed we are to be loved by the King, in whose name I pray, amen. Wow. After listening to the Psalms this morning, it reminded me again why Dave worked so hard to be able to clearly communicate in music, what I'm about to communicate in the Word of God. So when you hear what I'm about to share this morning and you think back to the songs you just heard, and I'll allude to them in a moment, just put that together in an incredible package of what God wants to say to you this morning. A lot of information in your bulletin. I encourage you to read it carefully. Family experience 10 minutes after this service is over. Operation Shoebox is out there. Ernie Haas coming up in uh, next Sunday night in the following week. If any of you have been to the Dominican Republic and served there, Bruce and Becky Dyke, who have returned and retired from there, are going to be here in a couple weeks, Saturday night event. You definitely do not want to miss that. You have sermon notes in your bulletin this morning. I encourage you to take them out. As different as we all are, and if you look around the room this morning, you will recognize pretty clearly that we're all different. But as different as we all are, there are some things that we have in common and certainly some things that we all do, When you get up this morning, think about some of the first things you did. Probably safe to say that sometime this morning, all of us did the one same thing. You know what it was? You looked in the mirror, right? Probably all of us at some point or the other looked in the mirror this morning a little bit after we got up. Some of us may have not been awake Some of us stayed there a long time. Some of us should have stayed there a little bit longer. How many of you are raising daughters? Okay, seriously, can they really stay in there that long? What are you doing in there? I'm I'm doing my makeup. It's been a week. Aren't you going to come out? We want to know what you look like. I mean, it fascinates me how sometimes they can stay there a lot longer. For a lot of us when we first get up in the morning and look in that mirror, it can be a pretty unpleasant moment. In fact, it could be a little bit of a scary thing. That's what I look like. <laughs> All right, take it off. Jason, you get to use that for one more service, and then I never, ever want to see that anywhere in public forum again. <laughs> No, one more service, the next one. (laughs) Yeah? Don't laugh. Some of you look worse than that. (laughs) That was Friday morning when I got up, knowing I was facing today and what was going to happen over the weekend. Depending on how you slept, some of us got an extra hour of sleep last night. Some of us were woken up this morning at 4.45 with a storm and didn't go back to sleep at all. So, so much for that extra hour of sleep. But depending on how you slept or how your week has gone, That first look in the morning can be a little bit scary. Your eyes are puffy. Your hair, if you still have some, is a little messed up. Every once in a while, I I didn't take all the pictures and didn't show you all the ones. Every once in a while, my hair in the morning looks like Einstein. Literally everywhere, like somebody shocked me and I still woke up. Your teeth feel scummy. Your breath could kill a small animal. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's bad. And so what do you do? You don't go out like that, do you? Oh, Lord knows. (laughs) The magic I have to do to be able to get this compared to that. This morning, Lord knows we'd never go out like that. So we fix ourselves up. Shave if you have to do that or if you are doing that. You wash your hair. You take a shower. You spend some time making yourself up. You put on the right clothes and you hope they match. And, of course, you want to be seasonal. No white after Labor Day. You know, so you want to make sure everything goes the way it's supposed to go. The mirror tells you if your clothes fit, too too, too tight, too loose. Although I've seen the way some dress, and you wonder, what were you thinking? <laughs> Do you ever once in a while want to say to somebody, Did you seriously look in the mirror before you wore that and went out this morning? None of you ever want to say that. <laughs> I mean, every once in a while you look at some and you want to say, really? <laughs> That's it? That's what you're wearing? I'm sure all of you as parents have said that at one point or the other to your kids when they walked out the door. On a practical level, the mirror tells that what you're wearing is consistent with who you are or what you do many times. Normally, when you look in that mirror and get dressed in the morning, you pretty much are able to tell that it's consistent with what you do or what you're about to do or who you are or what you do for a living. If you're a mechanic you probably wouldn't go out in the morning in a white shirt and tie, right? And if you're a business executive, you probably wouldn't go to work with a Ralph's Body Shop logo on a blue outfit showing up for work, especially if you're going to do trial that day. If you're a nurse, you put on a nurse's uniform, right? Or scrubs. And everybody knows when they see you, okay, that's what you do for a living. That's who you are, and sometimes if we're not careful, we get a little bit of definition about who we are by what we do, and that could be an okay thing, and sometimes that can be a scary thing, and sometimes even a little bit of a distorted thing. If you're a police officer, you put on your uniform, put on your vest, every one of you who are police officers, make sure you put on your vest, and you all, all everybody knows that's what you do, that's who you are. Now some approach that mirror with precision. Everything has to be perfect. Some things are even laid out the night before. How many of you pick out your clothes the night before you go to the next day? A few of you? Some of you have a little bit of an artistic flair. I went to a WRD, Word FM has a a luncheon for pastors every October, and they invite us down. This year it was Paul Shepard, who is one of my favorite guys on the radio. We laughed for 45 minutes listening to that guy. One time I went there, and there was a guy who had on bright blue pants, yellow shirt, orange tie, and a white belt. I mean, it hurt your eyes. It really did. And and, and, then there are some who dress to make a statement. And then, of course, every once in a while... There is someone who responds to the mirror like Fonzie. <laughs> Y'all remember what Fonzie did? You know, pulled the comb out, went, eh. Hey. <laughs> Put it back in his pocket. Needed to make no changes at all. Some love the mirror process. Some hate it. However we respond to it, we at least all have pretty much the same common experience. And from that same common experience, James teaches us some incredibly powerful lessons. James chapter 1, verse 19 is where I'm going to start this morning. I'm going to go to verse 25. James chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to be there. Some words that you're going to want to underline or highlight. Obviously, you have your notes there with you this morning. If you have your phone or iPad or iPhone, that's fine either. But I just always want you to be in the Word of God. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. That means this is really important, okay? When Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you, it's not that he had a speech impediment. And he says it twice. He said, look, this is really important. I want you to pay attention to this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, And slow to become angry. Because human anger doesn't produce righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all that moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. And humbly accept the word, word of God, planted in you. If you're a follower of Christ, that word of God is planted in you. That's why we use it so often. Which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word. So deceive yourselves. What? Do what it says. Don't merely listen to the word. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Anyone who listens to the word of God but doesn't do what it says is like a man who looks at himself in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. He begins by stating something that we all do at one point or the other. We look in the mirror and then we go away. I mean, we all do that, right? Nobody stays there all day long unless it's that teenage daughter who seems to do that. But then he says he goes away and forgets what he looks like. Now think about that for a moment. Who does that? Now those of us over 60, we forget a lot. Forget our names. Why did I go downstairs? Where did I leave my keys? Where did I park my car? I get that. So I get what we could forget. But who looks in the mirror and forgets who they are? We don't walk away and forget who we are. We know that. But there are some people who seem to do that for a number of reasons. Sometimes regardless of what they saw in the mirror, there are some people who don't seem to believe or trust what they saw. Think with me for a moment. 16 or 18 year old girl, 23 year old girl, doesn't matter. 94 pounds, looks at herself in the mirror, knows what she sees, and still walks away saying, What? What? I'm too fat. I mean, who would do that? You're 93 pounds. I wanna feed you something. I wanna go out and buy you a hamburger. But somehow she sees who she is. She knows what she looks like, she's clearly aware of all of that, but somehow she walks away thinking something opposite of what she just saw. And for those of you who deal with students on a regular basis, you're clearly aware of that. You cannot believe that they could see what they see and still believe the wrong thing, but there are a lot of people that do that. And there are a lot of other mirrors in life that people look at to give us somewhat of a distorted picture of what we really see. And sadly, somehow, we believe the wrong message. They know what they saw. And they were clearly aware of what that looked like. But somehow they walked away and believed the wrong message. Any of you remember the old carnival mirrors? No one Okay, three of you, you don't have to pretend like you're not Pentecostal. Every once in a while, just (laughs) raise your hands just to raise your hand. Thank you. (laughs) I looked for those for the last two weeks. You believe I couldn't find one anywhere. Now, six of you are going to come to me and say, oh, I got one at home. I'd love to use that. But every once in a while, we find ourselves looking at life like we're in one of those carnival settings where we look at ourselves and we see some distorted image of who we are. I couldn't find a carnival mirror, but I had an app in my iPad that did the same thing. And so I took a couple of pictures of myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my favorite. And then, of course, there's this one. Now, that's the same guy, but a fairly distorted picture of what it looks like. And when you walk into those, they're wavy and they're kind of kinky looking, and you realize you're either too short, too tall, too wide, too something else, and nobody would walk out saying, well, that's what I look like. They know that that's not what they look like. I know that's not what I look like. Heaven forbid that you would ever want to watch or listen to me if I really looked like that. But sometimes I feel like we're in that kind of world where there are so many distorted images of what we see or what we believe That it's kind of like that. That somewhere along the way, I walked into one of those carnival settings and I believed the wrong things. And somehow I bought that lie that that's what I really am. Or that's what I really look like. We all know what the mirror in the bathroom says about us, but there are those other images that I see or think I see. Or maybe those images of what I want to see or want others to see. And then I get confused. And maybe even caused me to forget what I really saw in the mirror this morning about who I really am. We have a lot of mirrors in our culture that speak very loudly and clearly about what value is or what beauty is. The message about who I am and what I'm worth for a lot of people can get pretty confusing. Happens all the time. It happens a lot to kids in school. Some only find value athletically or scholastically and feel a little bit less value if they're not athletic or intelligent. Now, there's nothing wrong at all with either of those things. But so many times we value people based on looks, ability, intelligence, or wealth. And they get a distorted picture of either how I'm valued, what I really am, how much I really am loved, how much I'm really worth because I had this distorted picture of what others say about me or what others think about me, or not enough liked me on Facebook, or I get this distorted image of who I am based on what others say about me and Facebook. And it's unbelievable for kids, high school kids and college kids, who all the time are having these mixed messages about who I am and how valuable I am. we we'll have 200 to 250 young ones here every Sunday, and... All the way up till Sunday night, probably almost 400 students at some point or the other, from little ones to senior hires that will leave here tonight. And we'll do absolutely everything we possibly can during that experience to remind them of how valuable they are, how loved they are, how much we care about them, how much God loves them. And if you walk through our children's wing, you'll see those statements said, you're loved by God, you're valued by God, Jesus wants to be your friend. And they'll hear all of that, and they'll read those messages, and they'll have a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader or somebody share with them and tell them how incredible they are and how wonderful they are and how valuable they are and how loved by God they are. But some of them, every once in a while, will go home to a mom or a dad or a step-parent who calls them stupid and useless. And then they get a mixed message. Because for that hour this morning and that hour tonight... They will have heard, they will look in the mirror of the Word of God and they'll recognize and understand how valued they are and how loved they are and how incredible they are. But some of them every once in a while, maybe not a person in the room or maybe no one you knew, but every once in a while some of them will go home to a mom or a dad or a husband even sometimes and they'll hear the message and they'll understand what I'm about to say in these next few moments but they don't feel that. and They're here by themselves and They get home and a husband who doesn't support them, doesn't care about them, will give them a mixed message. And sadly, every once in a while, if we're not careful, we believe the wrong thing. And we see the wrong image. The mirror of the the Word of God, which is one of the reasons that we're in it constantly, was fascinating. We had a new member class yesterday and it was brought up again. Why us? There are so many churches in town, some really great ones. What attracted you to us? Why do you want to be here? And that one answer that has come up every once in a while is the first time I went to church where somebody said, open the word of God to. And I hadn't heard that before. I'd been to church, but I didn't hear that phrase, open the word of God. And one of the things that we really value here is our understanding of the word of God and the power that it has in our lives. When you and I open up the Word of God and look at it as the mirror, which is exactly what James is trying to help us understand, you need to fully, clearly understand how unbelievably loved and valuable you are. And it may not be that way at school. It may not be that way at home. So when you come here on Sunday morning and when you look into the Word of God and when you're by yourself and you hear those mixed messages, my encouragement to you is to continue to go back to the Word of God. And hear him say as loud as he possibly can, Autumn, I love you. Like a father loves a child, I adore you. And you take the word of God, and I put all kinds of verses in there for you this morning, I want you to remember that. In Psalm 139, he said, God, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made I am fearfully and wonderfully made by your creative hands. Deuteronomy 32, is not he your father, your creator, who made you and formed you, Meg, who knew exactly what he wanted you to look like and how valuable you are and how precious you are to him? Ephesians chapter 2, you and I are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good's work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You and I are God's handiwork, handmade Next verse is in your sermon notes. Your hand shaped me and made me in Job chapter 10. You and I are God's handiwork. A number of years ago, we were in a series, probably two or three. I can't even remember, to be honest with you. I have my office. We were doing a series in Ephesians. And I came to that section of scripture. You and I are God's handiwork. And remember, all over the stage, I had a number of pieces of artwork. From really incredible stuff to ordinary stuff. And I talked about the value of who we are, handcrafted and handmade by God. At the end of the service, I had a guy probably somewhere in his 50s who came up, been visiting, had just visited from an out-of-town area for a couple of Sundays, who came up and embraced me like we were long-lost relatives. And he said, are you serious? I said, about what? Are you really serious about what you said this morning, that I really am that valued by God? And I said, absolutely. He said, I've never heard that. He said, I spent all of my life thinking I was useless, helpless, nothing. And would amount to nothing. And sadly, I believed that image of myself instead of what you just told me about the Word of God. And I'm in my 50s, and I never, ever have heard that. You and I are God's handiwork, handcrafted by God. Your kids make those things in school and and, in kindergarten and you look at that and you go, what is that? You know, what is that supposed to be? And, and, and And you put it somewhere and you honestly don't even know what it is. And you don't know what it looks like. But to you, if you really understand it, it is a Picasso. I did a wedding a few years ago, uh, Ben and Steph, and they had kids that were coming into the family, and, and they wanted to do a portrait in the middle of the ceremony. And I said, this ought to be rich. How are you going to do that with paint? And they did all of that, and, and they had their hand printed on it. and then you're right, and, I, and I'm watching this. And, and you look at it, and it was beautiful, it was wonderful, but it wasn't something that you would probably find in the Louvre Museum in Paris. But to them, it was a Picasso because it was who they were. You and I are handcrafted, handmade by God. You and I are children of the King, which is why what we sang this morning so resonates with what it is that we're in in the Word of God. You are a child of the king. You are a child of God. And the messages you may hear may not correspond to that phrase. And the things you may hear tomorrow at school or at work or by that neighbor or by that spouse or that ex-spouse or the lies that you hear in your neighborhood there's just so many things that are going to go against that. Your boss may not think you're valuable at all. But I want you to know right now, without a shadow of a doubt, that you and I are children of the king who loves you like Christ. Crazy. And I just don't want you to hear the wrong message. And sadly, believe that. Carnival mirrors, mirrors of the world get things distorted, but the mirrors of the Word of God are the ones we have to believe, so make sure that you do not forget what you see in the mirror of the Word of God. And when he said that, you walk away and forget what you heard or what you saw. It's not that you forgot who you were. And didn't recognize yourself anymore. He says, you look in the word of God and you see what it says about you. Don't ever forget that. That's why Paul would pray, I've I've never stopped giving thanks for you. In Ephesians chapter 1, I remember you in my prayers. And I keep asking that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you'll know him better. And I really pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. In order that you'll know the hope that which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, in his incomparably great power to us who believe. Paul said, I pray, I pray with everything I've got that your eyes will be open and you'll see how valuable you really are. I just want you to fully understand that. He says the same thing a couple of chapters later. I'm going to read the message version to you. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all of heaven and earth. And I ask him to strengthen you by his faith, by his spirit. Not brute strength, but that glorious inner strength that Christ live in you and open the door as you invite him in. And I ask him with both feet planted firmly on love that you'll be able to take in as with all the followers of Jesus, the extravagant dimensions of God's love. You know what that is in an NIV version? That you'll clearly understand how wide and how broad and how deep and how high is the love of Christ. The words that we sang this morning reminded me again in Romans chapter 8. Look, I need you to clearly understand and know absolutely nothing will ever separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing, absolutely nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. So don't ever think, my mirror is blemished, my mirror is spotted, my mirror is dirty. When I see myself, I see some of the things I did in the past. Don't you ever buy that lie. Nothing will ever separate you from the love of God who gave his son so that you can have life and have it forever, who reminds you and I on a regular basis, I love you like crazy. Don't get confused with the message you hear. The mirror not only reminds me of who I am, it tells me that what I'm wearing is consistent with who I am. So, in your notes, it tells you what to take off. James chapter 1, get rid. Take it off. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you because it can save you. (coughs) Ephesians chapter 4, you were taught with regard to your old former way of life, put off the old self which has been corrupted or being corrupted by its deceitful desires, as we said last Sunday morning, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds. You've got to put on a new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The mirror of God will clearly tell you what to get rid of, what to take off. It will also tell you in Colossians and a number of others I'm going to read this morning, what to put on. (laughs) I do a lot of weddings. I perform a lot of weddings. I very seldom go to any. And I went to a wedding a number of years ago. It was an older, more reserved pastor. And I was just interesting because you love to hear what others do in a message or a, in a wedding ceremony. And I was listening to him, and he was talking about their relationship before God. And, and then he talked about how beautiful they looked in that wedding dress and, and that tuxedo. And, and he said, tonight, you're going to take those things off. And I went, oh, dear God, where's he going with this? <laughs> I mean, I literally want... Oh, my lands, what is he going to say? And then he goes, and this is what you put on. Colossians chapter 3, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility. And I went, oh, good. (laughs) Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. If any of you have grievance with someone, forgive as you have been forgiven. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh that we talked about last Sunday morning. He tells us what to take off, get rid of all that junk, get rid of that old you, get rid of that old stuff. You look in the mirror, you know it, you recognize it, you remember what you used to be, so now take that all off. And now that you're a new creature in Christ, you're walking the Jesus way, you're following him, this is what you put on. And so put on kindness and tenderness and gratitude and graciousness. Remember how much you've been forgiven? Then forgive. Put it on. Don't just talk about it. Wear it. You've been forgiven everything, everything you've ever done when you accept Christ as Savior. That ought to make you incredibly grateful and unbelievably forgiving. Put it on. Wear it. Put on the whole armor of God. When you get up in the morning, you're going to face a battle. You're going to face the battle in your mind. You're going to face the battle with somebody else, with that boss, with that employee, whatever it may be. Put on the full armor of God. So when I get up in the morning, when you get up in the morning, and I look in the mirror, I want to, okay, what do I put on? Put on the full armor of God. Put on kindness. Put on tenderness. Put on gratitude. Put on the armor of God. Because you're going to do battle. It clearly says that in Ephesians chapter 6. Stand firm in all of that. The belt of truth, what you know in the word of God. Not what somebody tells you, what you think they're going to tell you, what that distorted mirror tells you. Bur- gird yourself with the truth of the word of God. Make sure it's buckled around your waist. Breastplate of righteousness in his place. Not mine, but his and his alone. Your feet shod with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I'm going to stand firm. The enemy's not going to push me around. He's not going to tell me how unvaluable I am, how unloved I am, how unloving I am. The enemy's not going to make me doubt my relationship with Jesus. He's not going to make me doubt my salvation in Christ. Stand firm in that. Make sure that you're on solid ground. Because the Word of God says when you come to faith in Christ, you're a new creature in Christ. Forgiven and loved by God and going to heaven someday. Don't ever forget that. Take up the shield of faith, because I'm telling you, the flying arrows of the evil one are going to come at you the moment you walk out the door. Take on the helmet of salvation to remind you that you are a believer in Christ, a follower of Jesus, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the luxury and the value of what we have today in our iPad, iPhones and iPads and all those kind of things is you've got the Word of God right with you. Most people usually don't carry you know, a large Bible to work. Although a couple of weeks ago, 500,000 students took theirs to school because they can. And it was an awesome experience. I'm going to talk about that a little bit next week. The mirror also reveals that what we're wearing is sometimes inconsistent with who I am. And so there's some things I need to change. Sometimes in the morning, we see what we need to do, and then life gets crazy. That three-year-old is running around trying to figure out how they're going to get dressed and what they're going to do, and they're downstairs making breakfast, which you know they have no idea what they're doing, and all of a sudden, that five-year-old is getting ready for school or kindergarten, and that six-year-old is trying to figure out where their lunch is, and that nine-year-old or that 12-year-old doesn't know where their homework is, and you're trying to go crazy to get all that stuff done, and you walk out, you get distracted by life, and we forget what we saw, and we don't make some adjustments. Most of the people will eventually at some point do that. But there's sometimes, spiritually speaking, we can do the same. We'll hear a message, maybe like this this morning, and, and we'll walk out thinking, oh, that, was, that was cool, it was fun. I laughed at those pictures. And, and we'll go back into the same life and attitude and all of those kind of things and forget what we saw in the Word of God. God said, if you hear his voice in Psalm, man... Listen carefully. Don't block it out. Don't harden your heart. Don't think, well, it doesn't apply to me. Don't do that. James said, anyone who listens, looks in a word but doesn't do what it says, is like someone who looks in a mirror. That word look in your sermon notes means just a glance. Okay, I'm all right. Everything's okay. And immediately goes away and forget that. But whoever looks intently, that's where the phrase changes into the perfect law that gets freedom and continues in it that you, what you know about your relationship with Jesus and what you know he's asking you to do and what he wants you to be when you walk out that door to represent him, you do, that's different. That doesn't mean to glance. It means to gaze. It means that I look at it long enough to really fully understand what I may need to change, but really who I am. And I know I'm probably going to get some mixed messages out there this morning, but I, I, I want to remember what the Word of God just told me I was. And I don't want to forget that. Now there's some of you, if I were as ingenious as Pastor Joe or Pastor Keith, I would have had some little magic mud that I would have thrown on a mirror every once in a while and then brought out a magic bottle and washed it all away. But I'm not near as smart as those two guys. But if you honestly look at the mirror of yourself, every once in a while you will see some blemishes. Or some spots. And maybe they aren't visible. But you know they're there. And you think, well, that's, that's good stuff then. I mean, it's great stuff you shared. I got the word of God. But man, that's just not for me. You can't use me. I, I know what's there. I know what was there. I know what sometimes still is there. Not a whole lot of people see it, but I know. And all I'm asking you to do this morning is don't buy the lie. Don't believe all of that stuff. Believe what he says about you in the word of God. When you come to him and ask for forgiveness, you are as forgiven as if God never, ever saw it happen at all. He cast our sin as far away as the east is from the west. That's unbelievable. How far is that? You know, There's a song, how wide is your love, how deep is your love, and it talks about the east to the west and the arms held out, and it's Christ on the cross. I just need you to understand the word of God says, I love you, and none of that matters when you come to me. When you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'll wash it all away. Don't believe that stuff because it's not true about you anymore. I don't know what you see when you look in the mirror. If I were to turn it around this morning, I'm sure some of you would see different things and see yourself and kind of be embarrassed by that. But I'm telling you, if you really clearly look in the Word of God, you will see an image that is absolutely breathtaking. On my bucket list is the other side of the Canadian Rockies that they say are breathtaking. And I looked at pictures last night of that because of the end of a movie I was watching. And I thought, okay, that's got to be on my bucket list because I want to see the beauty of that. And then I was reminded this morning of the word of God that says, look, you're going to show these people tomorrow morning how incredibly valuable and beautiful they are. And it pales in comparison to what you saw in that picture. That's how much I love them. Hope that you see that. And that you don't do what James says, walk away and forget. God, I thank you so much for your word. My goodness, it's incredible, a portrait that every one of us would see, a thing that all of us do, help us to never forget. And so, Father, as we continue to unpack your word and we continue to process it, and as I spent a week dealing with this text and they've only heard it for 35 minutes. Please, oh God, in the name of Jesus, let it sink in so unbelievably deep that they will never forget. Help me not to forget, because I do. I thank you for your word. May it continue to penetrate the depths of our soul so that we really see ourselves clearly as you do. And then take off the stuff that's not necessary and is ungodly and that we know we need to get rid of and put on the right stuff and walk out, children of the King. In His name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing day. If I can pray with you, I'd love to do that. I hope you have a great day and that you continue to walk in that love.